Hello and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. We're bringing you Supercoach on Wheels today. Um, something a little bit different. I haven't seen Chris in quite a while. Now, in the off-season, I like cricket, he doesn't. So generally, it's a good time for us to actually spend a little bit of time apart. So I thought I'd just try something a little different. Take some of this wireless on the go and have a bit of a chat to Chris. We're about to go in and uh, have a look at some suits and stuff uh, obviously for my wedding coming up in april so what a good time to kind of just catch up with teddy i also have to give him i've got all of the stuff i picked up from the afl grand final that i didn't look at and i will never ever ever look at again um, simply because it's going to hurt way too much so yeah that's pretty much where we're at that's inside 100 you can find us on facebook twitter and tiktok all the uh social or all the audio platforms as well spotify Sanchez, Stitcher, you name it uh we will be getting a lot of content out there particularly in the new year but first of all what a bit of a mess that the Supercoach season has created now round zero uh look i understand what they're trying to do i guess you know they're trying to have a a good ticketing sort of opening soft open should we say a soft open where you have you know a couple games in New South Wales a couple games in Queensland let's build the game and let's you know get some people sort of attending and build some interest around it but also not stepping on the Victorian toes and let's still give Richmond and Carlton their fixture opening which it isn't even it's like a soft open where you know you're already opened up mate so you might as well just kind of fix that but for Supercoach purposes it does create a bit of a spanner in the works um, I'll get Chris's thoughts on it when I pick him up. It's probably about eight minutes or so until I pick up Teddy. Um, we'll go check him out there. Sorry, we call him Teddy. Um, Chris, you probably would have heard me maybe speak about him as Teddy. Swizz also picked up some wireless gear. Check him out. He's also killed it in the basketball. Um, ranked number one last week, which is absolutely crazy. So I think he picked up himself a $500 voucher. Uh, ranked 148th overall or something. So Swizz just absolutely killing it in all platforms. I think I joked with uh, Al Patton saying if they did cockroach racing for Supercoach, then Swizz would also do that and probably also kill it. So um, that's why we love him so much and respect his opinions because he's just an absolute guru nut for everything Supercoach. Um, so that's where we're at. But the interesting part, so positions are, <laughs> are few and far between. There's, I think there's probably more value in defence than there is in, uh, sorry, as in, premiums and breakouts there's definitely good options in defense forward line is thin as always but we've said that the last couple of years oh forward line looks pretty crap um the only good thing with forwards is there are quite a lot of good cheap options which we'll get into obviously before uh so into that new year but um yeah the premiums in the forward line suck as they have done the last couple of years really where we're just looking for forwards that look like they're gonna have a role change into that midfield and that's where generally speaking we've you know, had some pretty good options in the past just because of that role change so um, I'm kind of looking for that through the preseason but the big issue is is that this round zero now round zero doesn't count which means that you know some people are just picking sides at the moment and having fun which I get because you want to put all the players that you like in your side um, I even had a mate Damo who is <laughs> he's been joking around. I think he's beaten Chris the last two years in Supercoach, and he's one that always comes to us for advice. Uh, so now he's saying like, "Oh well, if I've beaten Damien, uh, if I've beaten Chris the last two years, does that mean that I'm better at Supercoach than Chris? Um, why am I getting my advice from you, Chris?" <laughs> was pretty much what he was saying. Um, so he, he even sent me his team out. I said, "Yeah, but with round zero not going on, you're going to have this issue of well, you're going to have say 
you know, I'd like to start Neil, Dunkley, Walsh. I think they're all probably good value. I don't think they're going to be high ownership and they're definitely not going to be high ownership now because they're going to play round one for you and then they're having a buy round two, which absolutely kills it. And the same as Gold Coast have the buy in round three. So then that kind of has a bit of a, an issue going forward where you know, you're only playing best 18 for the buys. And now there are eight buys out of, say, 24 rounds. That's a big chunk of best 18. So it's even more important now, I think, to have as many premiums as you kind of can through that stage. But more importantly, in my mind, I'm looking for, for high returns. I'm looking for the people with high ceilings, someone that can really dominate and make a move in those best 18. So the thing that I'm kind of starting to look at primarily is looking at, okay, well, who's got the most scores over 120 plus in the season? Um, who's got the weaker opponents coming up through those buys, particularly the early ones? Uh, and straight away, the things that stand out to me is that the people with the best buys in general, Port Adelaide and Fremantle, uh, if you like a premium from there, then go them because they play all the rounds at the start of the year. They don't miss any through that. They also have the best buy because they only have a buy round of two teams, them. So Port and Fremantle have their buy to themselves, which means they'll cover you through all the early phases, all the early rounds, and cover you well through the other buys as well, which makes them really ideal. So that's where your, your, your Chera, so not Chera, my God, how, when am I living in three years ago? Um, Sarong, your Brayshaws, your Young, Ryan, Jackson, uh, Port Alley's, you've got your Rosie, your Butters, yeah, anyone that you're sort of looking at in that sort of area, uh, Houston, they're gonna be really good value because those points they'll pick up early and even through those other buy rounds, they might even pick you up two to four points per game over the whole season. So that could be really critical. But the thing I'm looking at with the 120 plus scores, I'm looking for not necessarily the most consistent players, although consistency is great, but I'm looking for hurt factor. People that can go 120 plus, because if you're just going a flat 100 and they're going 100 each week, 100 each week, and then you have a couple of rookies, you know, spike a 70 or 80, well then you're only picking up 20 to 30 points on your opposition because of that consistency. So that's the, the area that I'm kind of looking at is looking at that hurt factor. I'm looking at as many premiums as I can, particularly through those 18 buy rounds. But the other consideration for me is now looking at, well, if you have someone that gets knocked out during those buy rounds, if you have someone that gets injured, um, you can actually carry a couple of people through each of the buys because of that best 18 format. So if your rookies are nailed or you've got some mid prices that are banging off pretty well and you've got plenty of coverage, I th it's not going to hurt you as much as it probably would have done previously, which is where you could keep a player for a week or two um, and it's not going to hurt you as much. So that part I'm going to find a little bit more interesting. You might find people being a little less trigger happy through those buy rounds. Uh, and because it's best 18 as well, you probably don't have to really be as aggressive with the trading either. I mean, I know you want to upgrade uh, and you probably want to be aggressive to get another premium, but it's not going to matter as much once you get out of that round seven or eight, I think it's gonna be super aggressive between there and say the buys is probably where the real aggressive push is going to be. Um, but yeah, I think premiums early on don't have too many from the buy rounds. I'm only looking at maybe one or two people max from those eight teams where possible, depending on value. Um, one per buy round would be sort of sufficient, but if I can get away with not selecting them, I just might kind of do it that way. So yeah, it's, it's gonna be, interesting with that fact and for me the big ones 
Um, I'm probably interested in Dunkley. I think will continue his absolute assault in that midfield. Won't be high owned in my opinion. Um, I'll probably fade Lockie Neal with him getting a little bit older, but he should still be you know, decent enough. Walsh is the other one that I'd probably consider. Both of those have the second buy round. Took Miller I don't mind as far as you know, someone who is undervalued depending on his role during this preseason. New coach as well as another consideration. Anderson as well as the other one that I was kind of looking at. Um, Noah Anderson from the Gold Coast could go absolutely huge in my opinion this year just because he's so complete inside and out like a Walsh type. But again, just trying to look at the you know, new coach. Hardwick's game style isn't exactly um, the most profitable for midfielders. So we'll sort of see how that works out. Uh, and then probably like Harry Himmelberg for me is probably undervalued, only a defender, but he is someone I feel could put up Sicily type numbers without the Sicily type price tag. Um, so that's what I'm kind of considering. He has already got some security now as far as playing defense. So they're not gonna move him around all year like they have previously. I know jo uh, Chris is big on like Josh Kelly and some others that we'll sort of try and get into as well when we catch up with him, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Now, the other thing to note, and other people have maybe already spoken about this a little bit, but like I'm, I'm looking at structure in a sense. I'm kind of looking at those cheaper options that I'm sort of interested in. I'm probably going to uh, watch the form, the stats, the preseason talk about all players like general, like, like I do in most years. Um, but don't get too set in stone with your structures. Don't get too, too set in stone with the players that you're after because... That round zero is going to see more recency buys than we have ever seen before. Now, rookies are easy enough because that recency bias is, you know, that's going to net you money. So if, if a rookie bangs off and you can get them in for free, well, obviously you're just going to start them. If a premium goes big, you know, you might see, <clears throat> I think it was years ago where, say, Maxi Gorn absolutely sputtered in round one and Westhoff went absolutely huge and people were trading out Max Gorn for Westhoff in round two. <clears throat> so people might actually just use that recency bias and see one big score going, oh, this person's going to go huge, and everyone just jumps on and loses their other premium that probably would have done them better for the year. So it is a bit of double-edged sword, a bit of risk-reward as far as you know these premiums and the rest of it. Um, but there's also no point really looking too much into your structure if there is someone that has one of those round zero um, games and just their role looks great. You get even more data. The coach comes out saying, yeah, he's been doing this and looking really good and everything just sinks and matches up. Well, then they would be one of the people that I would be interested in putting uh, in my side, even if they have the buy round. So that's why I'm, I'm suggesting don't get too set on your team because when round zero comes, just expect that every single person is going to change it. And, you know, you can't be too attached to that. So it's exactly what I am expecting to happen. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm really keen to see what Hardwick's doing with the Gold Coast. I've seen some footage out already that looks quite promising. Um, I feel like rucks are already an issue. I've tempted a little bit. And, again, with... Um, I don't think the dogs are playing first, but you know, Sweet uh, playing at Port Adelaide now. Uh, depends how they're looking at, because are they going to um, use Soldo as, so is it Ivan, Ivan? Now at Port, um, 
<clears throat> trying to, yeah, they're going to use him as a sole ruck, are they going to use him as a ruck forward, uh, are they going to use Sweet as a ruck, you know, so it's going to be a little bit interesting, I think, as far as what they do in that sense, I am kind of looking at that. Naismith as well at Sydney, uh, was it, sorry, was it Sydney, had bad runs with that, but now at Richmond, um, and Nate Curvis, so are they going to look at maybe using him in that kind of sense as well, so it's... It's definitely something to consider. I just missed Chris's turn. Um, so it is something to consider that you might actually have two rucks that might actually be best 22, which would be awesome. And then it kind of makes the job easier uh, as far as sort of selecting that ruck line. And the one for me, the biggest thing I am watching for in that round zero is probably Grundy. The role, how he looks, you know, uh, round zero, or the first round of the year is not generally the most productive with rocks anyway, so it's going to be interesting to see how many jump on or jump off because of that. But, yeah, it could be a lot swung in that sense. Now, for me, especially with a lot of those buy rounds early on, you could actually take a, quite a good risk if the, you know, Sweet and if uh, Naismith are actually rucks then it's not going to really hurt you if there is an issue because it's best 18 anyway. If you're starting Jackson regardless, then that way if there is an issue, well, you just trade them out, put Jackson in the ruck and then move from there. So there is quite a little bit of variance that you could actually use uh, if that was a strategy that you're sort of looking for. So, all right, here I am now. I'm waiting here for Chris. I should probably let him know that I'm here. Oh, no, they see I'm here. So I've picked him up. It's the AFL record from the grand final won't read you so this is the first time i've caught up with chris properly i also picked up two newspapers the age here he comes now and this one as well here comes teddy teddy hello sir good how are you i'm fantastic buddy you know just chilling living the dream Living the dream. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, I've been like doing a little bit of a. Uh, here you go, clip this on. It's a oh, magnet. Clippity clip, I love it. And that should now be picking up. <laughs> well, I was just saying, we haven't caught up, mate. So, yeah, pull the magnet off. And then you can stick it onto your shirt. See? Pull. And then put this inside. Oh. It's a magnet. Do you know how magnets work? Yeah, it's, um, it's this new technology, right? They're attracted to each other, kind of like you me. and me. <laughs> exactly and then like have that. the mic. Tilted up towards you. Oh yes, you. of course. The mic. The mic, the mic I was just having too. 14 minutes. I just I thought you know what would be fun just to kind of do a bit of super coach on the road. Oh, and good. um, I'll, this is good. This is like uh, carpool super coach or something. It, it kind of is. Yeah. Let me. Just would you like? It. Should I sing? What's what song? Change this angle song a little bit for you. Um, now, hey, check this out. I picked you up. I brought them with me, mate. You can talk. Oh, Here's your chance. Oh, my man. Here's your chance to talk. Oh, my man. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> you have no idea. The AFL. Well, for those playing at home, hey, old grand final record. Get your footy record. Oh, dude. dude. I bought that thinking, what a great memento this will be when the Lions win. <laughs> and I bought two newspapers as well. They're here for you, too. Oh, you absolute legend. Two dude. newspapers. I haven't read any of the three things. <laughs> Um, although I should probably tell everyone, so Chris did me a favour post-grand final, the day after the grand final. I 
I don't think I've probably put this out there publicly yet. I was absolutely wankered at the AFL Grand Final. <laughs> yes, I got in there. I was worried about, you know, the lineup. I was worried about a few things. I, I got in there super early, like 11.30, watching the, um, was it the Grand Final Sprint? And, you know, and then the only good beers there, like the Pale Ale kind of XPA sort of, you know, beers Which that I like, there were 1.4, 1.5 standard <laughs> drinks. So it would have been fine having a couple of drinks here and there all's good no issues except that i sat next to a guy to my left and there were three of us three singles right because i had a seat by myself a guy to my left was that lives at wellington point which is about 15 minutes from where i live and i was oh, like holy crap dude, i was like crazy and then the guy to my right's like oh i'm from fullness i was like no way <laughs> i was like so we're, we're here having a great time this guy takes a photo and he's like oh i'm gonna send a photo to my wife and stuff saying hey like i made some friends don't worry about me and then he gets a text back from his son saying, um, hey, that's a teacher at my school. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happened was is that we just, we, we kept doing rounds. Uh, so course. we're like, oh, well, yeah, you And then you got to play catch up, right? But, you're like, and then because there's also four drinks yeah, in yeah. a thing, someone's doing doubles. <laughs> so, and I didn't leave my seat unless it was to get around. And because I was so um, encapsulated by the football, I didn't even think about food. I didn't buy nah, any food no at all. No time for food at the grand final, bro. I'd hop up to get drinks. I'd be in my seat otherwise drinking the rounds that they would yep. bring me. And I, when everything got so chaotic at the end, I couldn't, or my anxious, I was so anxious, dude. I actually hopped out of my seat. I went and stood. I was watching the TV screens. Oh, like, that's no. how that's how nervous I was, dude. Charlie Cameron kicked a goal. I'm looking oh, yeah. at this other guy, some old old timer Collingwood fan. I was just like, dude, I can't watch. I'm so nervous. He goes, you're nervous. He goes, I'm shitting myself. Feel these nipples. Yeah, yeah. He was like, getting, <laughs> he was getting Dom Sheed vibes, right? So, yeah. Um, anyway, so then as soon as we lost, the siren went, and I just stumbled out. Got on the first train out of there. Stumbled is the accurate description because I was in no shape. And um, yeah, so I think I went home, tried to forget all about it, woke up, my partner was upset because I, I didn't let her know I was home safe because I passed out for about six hours. And then Chris, Chris took her flowers for me the next day, so thank you, Chris. What a bro, what a bro's for. And I said, I've got, hey, I've got these magazines that I've never looked at and I never will look at, <laughs> so someone can get some use out of them. Well, if it makes you feel any better, mate, I was also on my feet for the entire last quarter. I literally, three, quarter, a good time, game, three quarter time happens, I go to the fridge and just get a bunch of jimmies and just go, all right, I am not moving from this area. Get out of my way. Noah, if you start crying, go to bed. Like, I was not interested. <laughs> I was very fortunate that um, Eliza was home and she was able to take care of the, the kids so I could, like, focus on being absolutely shit-faced with my dad. Who, and by the by this stage, dad's just yelling at the screen. Oh. Like, it, it was on for young and old. I don't um, even swear much, and even no. I was swearing all the time. Like when Nick Dacos got a couple of frees, I was like, "What the hell?" And then you mean what was it? Uh, Dacos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then was it was it Danaher or Hitwood? Well, Hitwood got a cheapie. Maybe it was Danaher in the goal square, caught one over the shoulder. And I haven't actually watched the game back in full. I've we should, watched. You know what we should do? It. We should do a watch party. We should. That would actually be fun. Like, I'm, prob I'm probably over it uh, enough now. I'm thinking about the next season. I get it because I actually haven't rewatched the 2018 Grand Final outside of the 17,000 times I've seen Dom Sheets' goal on the highlights reels. But <laughs> I'll make you a deal. We'll watch the last quarter of that Grand Final, and then we'll watch the last the last quarter of this Grand Final. Okay. Uh, look, you know, I think it would be fun because you see. Um, I, you would see a lot more because when you're at the game, it's some, the ball's on the other side. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you're not exactly all the way in, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hard to do. And say, so, 
usually what I do when I go and watch a, a live game, if it's a win anyway, I generally don't re-watch losses. I'll then go home and then watch it. Oh yeah. On the re- on recording. Oh, if we won, I would have watched the game a hundred times. A hundred percent. And I remember that. I think that happened. Um, was it when we beat Richmond or we we flogged Carlton? Like I'd go home and then Fox, oh, yeah, Fox yeah. will be playing a replay at midnight or something. Exactly. I'm like, hey, I'm watching this game at midnight. Yeah. No, um, I completely agree. And like I I, I will say that. Um, I, th- I feel like Collingwood are very fortunate to be in, in two of, in my opinion, probably the best grand finals of the last 20 years. Like, and if Since you take what, it back o- was to, it 05, 06 though? Like the West yes, Coast the Sydney, West Coast that Sydney were probably the last. Finals were fantastic, that was the right? last two, yeah. Um, and then if you around that time, you had quite a few because you had the um, obviously the the Lions calling from 01 was absolutely epic. Um, the 02 was a blowout. 03 was. Was that Port or was that 04? Who did no, you no, go the third uh, one against? Collingwood. We beat Essendon. Didn't we? Oh, and Essendon then, was and the first one. Then Okay, yeah. Yep. yep. So, so yeah. Um, uh, yeah, in terms of... There's been some blowouts of recent. You know, we Richmond obviously absolutely blew out GWS. Um, who was the last year? Sydney got absolutely killed. Um, was it Sydney? Yeah, Geelong. Yeah, Sydney. Sydney yeah, yeah like that like, first quarter oh, was sorry. over. Like, so you've had some blowouts. And, yeah, I, I think in the middle of that was two absolute classics. Um, and so, look, although like 2018 was a thing and you know, I went to, and that's why I didn't go by the way. So for those playing at home, I didn't go to that grand final because I just, I did the grand final this year because I just couldn't do it again. Yeah, that's and, fair. And it was almost a play by play of the same season in that against every other team, we were just the best team. But as when we played West Coast, mm. we, they, we couldn't beat them. We lost them three times that year. Same in 2011 when we played Geelong, when we lost to Geelong. We were the best team. I think we had 162 percentage points or something like that, which is ridiculous. But Geelong were the only team to beat us the entire year. They beat us twice in the home and away season then in the grand Well, final. we beat you all year, just not when it counted. <laughs> and, and that's, so I was like, nah, I'm not doing this because Brisbane are like our kryptonite. Uh, They're the team that we really can't beat. And it took us playing a almost perfect game it in was very of, impressive. Um, and even now, I think Zorko came out saying as well, just I think fairly recently saying, well, Collingwood did things that they weren't even expecting. Like, yeah, they just changed things up structurally and they just, and Brisbane were caught by surprise going, oh, you know, and actually it threw them off. And you can tell that they were thrown off, you know, and like the game had like ips and flows and momentum. But the thing that I think Collingwood did really well, apart from actually, you know, marking and tackling inside 50, like their tackles inside 50 were crazy. The yes. pressure was huge. Uh, that was a big difference for me. Um, but yeah, the other thing was is that you know Brisbane are generally that momentum. It helps team. when the guy that wins the Norm Smith oh. is your forward pocket, right? I know. <laughs> and now you've just picked up another small forward. Like, go help us. Yeah. Um, we'd like we'd like to have a uh, a centre half forward though that would stay in the park for longer than five minutes. That'd be nice. Yeah, that thanks would for be... that hand grenade. That was really good. Oh yeah, well, he's, <laughs> I pulled Mick Stays out. Too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, sad. But the other, you know, so that that part for me was the the pressure. Brisbane are a momentum team. Yes. You know, and if they don't get that momentum, then they're not. They're a confidence side. So if they're not getting the the run of goals to really hype them up, if they kick three, four goals in a row, then the Lions just get going. Like they are just hard to stop. Yeah. But they never had that. It was like a couple of goals here, and then Collingwood would stop them, put some pressure on, get a goal back. So Brisbane never really got going, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing that I will say as well. Um, there needs to be more of an effort for a grand final to make it a neutral ground as possible. Right, so what I mean by that is there's a big um, thing during the week, you know, that obviously Brisbane can only play at the Gabba and blah, 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 and they're not good at the G and whatever. 
Um, and a lot of it come back to um, the you know, music after goals and celebrations and things like that. I reckon, I reckon most teams are moving towards doing that. But why not get that into the spirit of the game? If that's something that they do you know, when they kick goals, let them have it. Like, who cares? And it's oh, what not about like, Eddie cracking it though? He cracked it. Um, they had a what was it putting a vote out to the public on their quarter time song, yeah. <laughs> and the crowd chose Country Road. Yeah, awesome. And Great song. and then everyone's like singing it super loud. Charlie Cameron kicks Ooh. a goal, and everyone's <laughs> three that and then, Yeah, we're all just singing it again. And uh, Eddie was so filthy. Like, how dare they put that vote up, or how dare people vote for it? But it's not Collingwood's home ground. Like, the grand final needs to be a neutral venue, and even though it is Collingwood's home ground. So this is my my thing. I I definitely think that there needs to be a massive effort, especially considering that that Melbourne teams have 10 teams that they have eligible to play in a grand final every single season. There needs to be a much bigger effort making it so that it's not necessarily a home ground advantage. Or just keep your advantage and then we'll keep our academy advantage. Like, right. hello, what a great, what a great um, compromise. A lot of things that have happened in the off-season that I think are just silly. Because every time, every time there seems to be a distinct advantage to one of the northern teams or to West Coast or to whatever, all yeah, the Melbourne Sydney teams gets, go, Sydney nah. gets Buddy and they're like, oh, they're cheating. Have they got the salary cap for this? Trade restrictions, cola goes <laughs> yep. away. Ad Academy is going away. Like, every single time, it, it, it sort of really goes in their favour. To be fair, I think the last people that actually broke it was um, was at Ugo Hagen and the Dogs, where they're like, oh, yeah. no, so now all these other teams are like, oh, we have an Academy player, but, oh, we NGA, we can't pick them up. Like yeah. Saunders and everyone else, it's like, oh, unlucky. Um, and it's going to get... What, what, what's annoying is it's going to get worse over the next few years once Tassie comes in, right? So, so like, let the clubs be able to develop their talent and get them in through other pathways because it's going to be another compromised five years of drafting. Let's be honest. Yeah. So you need all the talent you can 100%. get, and the academies bring talent to the pool. Yeah, and like you know, clubs like Collingwood, for example, and I've I've loved what the club's done, and they've they've gone about it slightly differently. But they've had obviously, um, you know, Dacos, the Dacos brothers. More, um, we had the Brown brothers. We've had a, a splattering of good father sons, and then we also had. Um, Freaking hell. What's his name? Uh, Jordan DeGoe. No, number, th- <laughs> number three. What's number? Black guy. Uh, uh, IQ? IQ. I don't know why. Quainor. Quainor. It's your team. He was a, well, he's an academy player. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's a top five pick that we obviously didn't have the picks for. And what, what they've... Look, the smart list managers are smart, right? They understand that if they can trade out their early picks and get value into the club and get other players with those picks and then use later picks to try and supplement though to, to get your your either NGA picks or your um, or your father sons, then you win on both counts. And so they've done that for I reckon the past ten years. So Collingwood has been able to maintain competitiveness because of that. And so like I think that Everyone's up in arms, but every club has had their advantages. Every single club. Others definitely more than others based on sort of timing, I guess. Because when your players come through... So the Gold Coast get three guys, or was it four guys within... Yeah, you know, four. Top four 20 within or the 27 or whatever it is. They need the help, bro. I'm like, I know that their list is, is, is full of guys in top the top 10, but... But it's also an anomaly. Like, you're not going to get no. that many top-end talent... <clears throat> all the time and it's, it just happened that the allies won the competition so yeah. naturally there's more allies that are going to be in the first round picks because they were the, the first time for yeah because they were the team that won 
right? So that just, it's not going to happen every year, but then the people look at it and go, oh, well, that's an issue. But without the academy, they're not going to get those players in. Without the no. academy's funding it to get that reward, they're not going to get those players in. And then if you have Tasmania coming in to the competition, exactly. or would you rather, hey, like Gold Coast, yes, Gold Coast might pick up their own homegrown talent, but then the people that if they weren't playing, Gold Coast would have picked someone else, and then that then takes away from the pool. So yeah. I'd rather more talented people. And then if there are issues, then yeah, sure, flag it. But Gold Coast were also super lucky that they didn't make the finals. Mm-hmm. If they made the top eight, they could have only picked two of yep. those players. But because they actually finished outside of the top eight, then that's what enabled them to actually get the three and four, well, what ended up being the fourth. So There's also something to be said about um, being able to develop your own talent and then have the opportunity for a longer shot at them. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I think there'll be a lot more loyalty from a team that has expressed interest in you from when you were 15, 16 years old, yep. compared to, oh yeah, we don't got you on draft night, didn't really want to go here, but you know, whatever, I'm at North, let's give it a give it a crack, you know? Uh, and then two years later they leave. Like, uh, the, the, there is, year. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, giving them the opportunity to develop those relationships over a long period of time, develop relationships with the family, gives them a, a higher opportunity to keep their talent, which has been Gold Coast problem pretty much from the start. And yeah, so they finally get a, you know, oh, I say finally, obviously there's been compromised drafts over the last however many years they've been in the competition because essentially they've finished low and got picks and then got picks and then they had a massive draft capital at the start of the competition, etc. But once Gary Abbott left, they haven't really had success, realistically. No. And to be fair, I think Gold Coast alumni probably have more premiership winning, no. winning players than you know Brisbane Lions, Fremantle, Essendon. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I don't know, there's been a lot lot of stuff in off-season and lots of injuries as well. Yeah, so what's your thoughts on the round zero kind of conundrum and this, and your strategy going, uh, going in? Look, I think at the end of the day, um, I, I don't love what they did, but I feel like it was the most practical way You're to do it. You're talking about the AFL creating round zero? Oh, that was stupid. Yeah. That was dumb. Like, I don't know like, why. Well, like, I get it because they don't have the venues, right? And they want to... Sort yeah. of take advantage of the- So I, I already expressed my opinion, but it was, um, you know, I think they're trying to build the interest in the northern states, right? But then they go, oh, like, oh we're going to have like a soft launch to try and have a weekend where it's just in New South Wales and Queensland and we're going to try and build the game up so everyone gets excited. It's the first soft launch. But then they also want to go, oh, but no, no, we're not taking away from the opening round from Carlton and, and Richmond and we want to try and keep it traditional. It's like, well, no, you haven't kept it traditional. No. You've gone for a soft launch and then you've literally now we got eight buy rounds out of 24 yeah so a, a better way to do it would be to have another gather round and have it in brisbane or sydney or rotate it between sydney and brisbane honestly magic round for the nrl is insane like it's crazy well, even adelaide's huge adelaide yeah. they sell at it now obviously adelaide's a, a footy state so you've got to take that into consideration but the economy would be freaking wild up here for something like that. They should do that for the opening round. Why, why not? It could, because they only need one venue, all right? They can get it bit. Oh, well, I suppose they, they need more than that. Well, yeah. Got, well, I mean, well, you've got two, a couple of venues in Sydney. You've got... So you can even go between Gold Coast and Brisbane. Well, so in Brizzy, yeah. Between. In Brizzy, you've got now the Springfield Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that one. You've got, obviously, Metricon. You've got um, the Gabba. And then you've got... Um, there, there are other obviously local stadiums yeah. and things like that. And there'll be like Southport as well. They yeah, have, um, Southport's a the big AFL one. Club. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's one in Sunny Coast as well, somewhere along there. 
big, big one. But there's, you know, there's enough that you could get it going. Or you could play one up North Queensland, a TO or whatever, get yep. the demons up there. Like, you know, it's still technically yeah. around, I guess. So back to Supercoach, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, so I thought it was, um, I thought it was okay because it's the it's it's the solution that has the least amount of impact on the overall of Supercoach. Honestly, so by skipping round zero and then starting round one and then buy rounds are 18 only and they're early, right? Yeah. They're in the first six rounds. Yeah, I think uh, round two, Five. three, four. Yeah, I think, yeah, round yeah. that. Yep. So, you know, and in those ones, you only have two teams and just top 18, which means that most teams won't be really upgraded outside of maybe the last game you might have one upgrade yeah right so yeah, there's al- that's what's, yeah there's also no direct need to try and upgrade early because no. um, you want to be after the buy yeah correct it's, it's best 18 so it's like okay well yeah. now you've got a maybe a premium over a rookie and you might pick up bank the extra on, cash yeah and you, if, if they perform you're probably you're probably fielding 22 players those weeks yeah so look it could be a situation where you might gain 30, 40 points you know it's not gonna be the be all and end all um, I understand the premise of say choosing players like Frio or Port because they not only don't have that buy they'd have the late the best buy yeah. right? the, the with ba- the only two teams so yeah. you know but that, that was always the case anyway so that really hasn't shifted too much mentality of, of me so I think it is the, is the solution that had the least amount of resistance and the easiest pathway to mass buy in I think it's also easier for the casual players. If the yeah. round's already started and people can get a look at it and go, oh, they might start a team, I think it's also going to create the less issues as far as... Because imagine if you did have to pick 10 people and it's round zero and you yeah, just yeah. pick you just pick the worst premiums by accident or someone gets injured and then you go in going, oh, well, and then I'd, I'd be like, okay, well, season done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've picked your 10 players, you're now so far behind because your players sputtered over other people's players and I could see a lot of casual players just being like, nah, stuff it. See, I like the idea that I had of um, still incorporating round zero as part of Supercoach, but how you do that is you make it a uh, higher score over those first two rounds. So the the, the, play, the teams that are, for, your players you have from round zero, only their, only one of their two scores count, and it's the highest score. And that what that does is it locks those players out because what we have now is an advantage on every other t- um, team in Supercoach. Yep. So we get eight teams and four games to view roles amongst all of those players, which you, you and, the, and the score as well, yeah, and scores, and and you kind of get from preseason. But what we know is around one comes around, and you, some players' roles are thrown out the window, other players are thrown in the bag. Midfield times, you get a really good grasp of what rotations are like because the best 22 is actually yeah. selected. So those those players, we're going to have more information about those than anyone else. So my idea was, well, that's an advantage that I don't want to take a part of if you're having an even competition. Yeah. But now I'm going to use it to its ability. Well, of course. If you make them locked out and you make them lock in the highest score over those two weeks, then you, that doesn't that's not a situation that will occur. So that was my only thing that I would have done outside of that. I don't like the best 18 with one buy, but... Whatever, I think it's going like to keep bygones. the competition closer for longer. Um, the other thing is, is that how many how many premiums do you reckon you might actually start then? Like, if it, depending <laughs> on roll for round one, yeah. out of those eight teams, yeah, how many can you actually take through? Because yes, you can see their role and you can see their score and everything looks yeah. great, but you can surely you have to be a little bit selective. But my, my initial thoughts, and I've, I've done like two teams, and the, my first one had fourteen premiums, and the second one had thirteen. And I'm actually looking at this season as 
there aren't too many. There's a lot of really good value. Like your Gordon Grundy is saving you like three, four hundred grand right off the bat, right? So there's a premium in your bag. Um, there's not a lot in the forward line. Like there's probably fully four guys, maybe five guys, I would say that are premium worthy and they're not really premium worthy. Minus, so minus one. Value. Minus one. You sent me bloody more. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, dude, I check out this team. What do, you, right. what do you reckon? I was just like, no, your team's shit. And he goes, oh, Dylan Moore. Uh, I was like, yeah, Dylan Moore. <laughs> see, if you, um, the thing that I did with Dylan Moore that, that intrigues me is if you do a list of an analysis of, um, of the Hawks forward line, there's not really much room left for a player like Dylan Moore. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll still play and pinch it forward like he always does. But I think he's got a lot more mid-time in him this year. And if he does, you know what he's doing. He's going over 100, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know what, he just might. Uh, and uh, who did the Hawks pick up with their first pick? Was it that, there was that young, that's right, yeah, that yeah, young, yeah. yeah, the best, like, best small forward, small forward in, since in the draft. Toby Green. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's going to be very interesting, I think. Um, so that yeah. could definitely shift a few and things. And I Gunston, think they also, yeah, Gunston as well. And there's, there was another one that they picked up as well. And I think, uh, yeah, personally, I just think that, um, I think he's primed, like he's got the experience and they want to inject that X factor into the midfield a little bit more because they, what they've done with their midfield of late is they've worked out that they've got some really great ball winners and they've tried to incorporate Day into that system as, a, as the elite user, but he's, he's actually turned the ball over shitloads in the last, like, I, and that's one of my gripes. He can get the ball, that kid, and when he uses it well, his score's amazing. But his, his efficiency in when he's in the contest isn't as great as when he was obviously off the halfback flank. It was funny because he, by you know, compared to what he had the year before, he came out and he was like, oh, like you know, so I had a, you know, quite a good year, blah blah blah. And he goes, oh, but I've still got like an, I feel like I still got another level I need to go. And I was like, yeah, no shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, the level of efficiency. Yeah, um, pretty much. So, so I, I did like Dylan Moore, and then in the midfield, there are a lot of overpriced players, I think, and I'm not like. The one in my new, so the how I went from fourteen to thirteen. Essentially, what I've done is I've added Bont instead of say a Tuke Miller or something like that. But you know, there's there's a lot of good value around that five hundred k mark for midfields. I, I like I, I like Tuke, depending role, of course. Jack Steele, I think, is one that can bounce back. Yep. Um, there's Matt Crouch, who I actually really like as a four ninety k option, sort of more of a almost a mid pricer. But you expect him to be able to average somewhere around, say, 108 to 112-ish numbers um, if he can maintain his spot in the best way too. And I think he's solidified that now. Um, it's going to be interesting. Even, like, on the low end, I saw, like, if, if Sam Berry can get back into a good role, yep. like, I know he, he hasn't, but as in if, he, if he did, he's, like, low 200. Zach yep. Jones as well is someone that... Because Saints don't exactly have the strongest midfield. Um, he's someone as well that's like 240 yeah. or 50k. What like, there isn't this year compared to last year, there's no sort of like 300k mid prices or 350k mid prices that yeah. are sort of poised. It's like 2 to 250. Yeah. Unless you're got... talking about Gresham's only 300 odd. Which... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has the role. Oh. No, no, I don't. Well, again, pre season, right? So who knows what's going to happen. But I mean, Billings is one that I think that I think we've talked about quite a bit. I think he's basically a lock. Yep. You've got Zach Williams in the back background, uh, sorry, back line as well. So basically cheap. a lock. I think he was 9,000 more than um, Harley Reid. Exactly right. And then you go Harley Reid, lock. So you've got some really good cheap options that are probably going to average you, say, 80 plus minimum. Um, and even the rookies, like I look at the rookies, there's so many rookies that 
didn't either get that opportunity oh. last year or... There are so many rookies that have been yeah. in the system for one to two years. Like someone like, say, Sam Darcy as well, like in the forward line, I think that he yep. could really, like, you know, have a, say, 75, 80-plus season. Super cheap. Even Cadman now, I mean, what was yep. he pick one? So he's $80,000 cheaper. Yep. And you know he's going to be best 22. So I know he, he might not score great, but if he second year in the system, if he gets that lead up and he gets a few more scores, at least for a rookie... You know, he might generate slow cash, but yeah. he might actually go all right. But I'm with you. With I think Darcy trumps it for me. Um, but even um, Bustlinger or whatever I think is in defence. Yep. Um, who was the one that came from St Kilda? The high draft pick, pick seven was he? What's his name? Defender that had oh, Caulfield. Caulfield. Caulfield as Caulfield's well. There, so yeah. cheap, so cheap. And dude. then um, so yeah, you got Marty Hall back there. who's obviously an experienced guy that was off injury again. So um, and then there's also another oh. 150k in the back line, I think he is. Gosh, I can't even remember. Oh, but there's some great value. There's some really, really good rookies, and some, and this is without really seeing the draft class present yet. There's just a lot of experienced guys that are really cheap. So, um, yeah, I, look, I think this year's definitely guns and rookies approach. But you don't have to go all out with guns. You don't have to be like 600, 700k guns filling your team because there's a, good, a lot of good value around that sort of 550k mark. So Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, that's it from us, hey? Um, we'll get some content out there, uh, particularly in the new year. Uh, I know Swiss is super keen to kind of get some stuff recording as well. But, um, yeah, that's it from us. Just look, a bit of... Uh, Potty on the road. I love it. Well, we it's haven't fun. seen each other in so long, dude. This is our off season. That's what I'm saying. We, we see each other so much during the season that when it's like cricket season, we actually get pretty much like an off season like AFL where we just don't pretty see much. each other. That's, That's why good. when we see each other, it's good. Excellent, buddy. Love right. you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye.